this time on Holy Ghost Notes. Don't like drums or God. I knew it. We just got real deep. Tim, you have to stick to a 40-minute topic. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Then why are you here? Yo! What's up? This is Matt and Tim. You're listening to the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. And Matt, what a time we have had today. (laughs) (laughs) You can say that again and again, but I'm scared for you to do that because it's just going to increase the chances that everything gets shut down again. So this is... um, yeah, this has been. Is this attempt three? This has been a this has been a battle, man. So if you're if you're watching this or listening to this and you have no idea what goes into podcasting, apparently neither do we because <laughs> um, <laughs> we thought we had it figured out a year in, and we have Zoom, we have iPhones, we have GoPros, we have GarageBand, we have Pro Tools, and nothing seems to like each other today. So yeah. we're just gonna look past it and hope for the yeah. best. Yeah. Um, take, take number three, I think, or four, something like that where, yep, it's been a couple, (laughs) but here we are. So thank you guys for, for joining us. Um, we were saying in our previous, um, previous two recordings (laughs) (laughs) that, um, it's been, it's been fun doing this and we just really appreciate, especially the inner circle who is the community group, Patreon members who are helping to support us and, um, continue the conversation that we're having on this podcast. Yeah. If it's your first time listening to Holy Ghost Notes, thank you for joining us. If you've been listening for a long time, thank you for supporting us and sticking with us. Yeah. Um, this is a podcast about drumming and about faith or um, any other conversation that has to do with just life. Yeah. So we'll talk about love. We'll talk about depression. We'll talk about anxiety, bitterness. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes those topics seem to somehow connect with the drumming world Mainly, it speaks to the mental aspect of drumming, which, wow, is drumming mental. Yeah. Um, there's there's so much to playing drums that has to do with how you're thinking and how you're approaching the instrument. And um, and therefore, drumming is really helpful yeah. um, on, a, on, on a personal level, on a deeper level. It's been a lifesaver of an instrument for me over the mm-hmm. years. And a lot of the things that we talk about, too, on this podcast isn't necessarily um drum specific like a lot of the principles um can really be brought into anything um especially any other music uh related element um so uh it's been fun to to see how many of you aren't drummers um and aren't christians (laughs) uh it's really great (laughs) having you all listen and, and be a part of this um as well just because um it doesn't have to be just about drums and God all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, I'd be curious to know how many people don't play drums and are here for the faith and are learning a lot about drumming or those that play drums and don't really venture into faith or deeper thought world and they're like, oh, okay, I'll stick around for that every once <laughs> yeah. in a while. Or who don't <laughs> like either. Who's getting more. <laughs> don't like drums or God. Or they, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just here then for Then why the, are you yeah. here? <laughs> just here for the conversation. <laughs> Uh, but it has been good and, uh, yeah, we've been doing this for, for a while now. It's been, it's been cool. It's been, it's been really, um, really rewarding for me. Um, I said this, I think in one of the takes that we lost, um, so far today, but, uh, (laughs) uh, it's been, it's kind of filled a void that I've had, um, both drum speaking and spiritually speaking. I'm not in a band anymore. So talking about drums, 
um, thinking about drums um, is is just good for my uh, my mind and um, my uh, psyche. Um, but uh, on the same on the flip side, I guess uh, you know, growing up and changes in life have um, taken me out of being a part of a, a regular Bible study or or small group and. Um, the conversations that we have on this podcast has, you know, forced me to, again, think about um, my faith and and challenge my own beliefs. And um, it's been really good. So I hope that um, it's been just as beneficial to you all as it has to me because, um, yeah, I'd still be doing it even if none of you were listening. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. I was just over at my farmhouse property. I was telling the story briefly before this. I ran over um, part of a garden hose that was there at my tenant's house. And I was like, well, I, I did. It didn't cut through anything. I was just like, I need to move the hose, but I don't really feel like getting off the mower, you know, disengaging the blades, putting on the parking brake, getting off, moving the hose, getting back on and getting back to mowing. And a lot of us have probably been there. If you have a yard to mow, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it, it seems like a lot of work to get off the mower and move something just to mow a part of your lawn. <laughs> yeah. That's just going to grow back. Right. <laughs> So I ended up just skipping it and then coming back and looking at it for a couple seconds and realizing I should probably do this. So I turned off the blades, pulled on the brake, got off, and I moved the hose over into a mulch bed, got on, mowed the area. Later on, I'm mowing, and I thought to myself, huh, that's really cool that my tenants, who have two kids, um, planted these little vegetable plants in part of the gardens around the house. I was like, that's, that's cool. That's, that's a really cool thing to teach your, your kid. You know, it's, it's neat to put in the work, but it's also really cool to invest in something that eventually you're going to see the fruit of your labor in. It's an important philosophy or mentality. And also it's just a good uh, use of your time. Well, as I'm having that thought, I'm realizing, oh my gosh, where are those plants? (laughs) So I take my skag over to the area in which this hose was located initially. And I look at the bed where I threw them and I realized, oh man, I threw the hose directly on top of every single one of the plants. (laughs) I mean, every single one of the plants. So I got off the mower again and quick, like kind of discreetly trying to hide myself below the window so my tenants weren't looking out seeing the destruction of their work um, and I, I try to get the hose off and move it over and uh, I look back and a couple plants are sort of bent over and lean down I'm like these plants do not look good and it is all my fault so I had this moment I had this moment and I realized you know what it's one thing to talk about being authentic and genuine and honest and it's a whole other thing when it actually could affect you in a negative way to tell the truth. Mm. And that's why people tell lies. It's beneficial to you to tell a lie when you tell a lie. Otherwise you wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. It's, it seems hurtful and like a setback to tell the truth. Right. And so I'm sitting there on the mower with my phone in my hand thinking, should I text my land, my tenant and tell them that I just threw this hose on top of their plants and the plants don't look great. Mm. And I was like, well, yeah, I should do this. All right. I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly. I, I don't really remember what I said, but I just basically said, your plants don't look great. I threw the hose on them. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and the response I got was, it's okay. The plants didn't look good to begin with. <laughs> Honestly, 
we didn't really think they were going to make it. They were really cheap and they look really like uh, weak. Yeah, I, th- yeah. Yeah, I think she used the word weak or something like that. I'm like, huh, well, it is certainly better to tell the truth because I would have just walked away from here actually feeling bad about the fact that I didn't tell them and feeling bad about the fact that I feel like I just killed their plants mm-hmm. when in actuality I told them. So I got it off my chest. And then secondly, I found out that it actually probably wasn't me that made the plants look like right. that. It was it was a moment that I won't forget for a while. It's one of those like little 30-minute segments of your day that looks like a, a setback it looks like something that's just like detrimental mm-hmm. to your your day your week yeah i don't know just kind of puts you in a little rut and you're like well what am i going to do with this yep. and my encouragement would be to myself in that moment keep doing keep doing the right thing even if it means that it could actually set you back in right. this case it did not um but yeah it made me realize then on the way home that it's one thing to talk about being authentic. It's a whole other thing to actually follow through with it because I didn't really feel like being honest. Right. And I wasn't going to be honest. I, I think what what made me be honest is um, are the type of conversations that we have on this show, the type of conversations I have with my teaching pastor. Those are the conversations I was thinking about and fast forward. Mm-hmm. Your face is the face your face, my teaching pastor, a couple other people that I look up to and have good conversations with are the faces I saw. If you're listening to this and you're, you're thinking, man, I should really work on my honesty and transparency and authenticity and just being a better person, but a more real person, you know, if you're anything like me, it's going to be hard to, to live up to those standards if you're doing it by yourself. Yeah. But if there's someone standing by you, then their face and their words are going to be the first thing in your mind. And it's really not anything that you can take credit for it's like well, you've put some good people around you yeah yeah i'm the little uh, i'm the little angel on your shoulder there matt <laughs> yeah exactly exactly do the right thing do the right thing <laughs> <laughs> who's on the other side yeah, that's the question that question <laughs> that's me too it's <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah. true um but uh we've got a fun one for you guys today um we're going to be talking about uh having or building a drum studio or a home studio. Um, I know that's been um, uh, one of the top questions you guys have asked us um, to talk about um, or one of the topics that you guys have most requested. Um, And we're also going to be hitting on identity, um, which is, uh, I guess uh, both topics really are pretty deep. (laughs) We could really go pretty deep with them, but uh, we're going to try to fit them in in the time that we have. So... um, I guess before we jump into drum studio, um, I just want to shout out the new uh, mattgrinerlessons.com um, real quick. I'll let Matt talk about it. But if you haven't heard, um, you can now subscribe uh, monthly to um, drum lessons from Matt. Uh, you can learn ABR songs um, at all different speeds. And, um, and it's, it's actually uh, very affordable um, comparatively. Um, as Matt has said in the past, it, it's not he's not able to offer the same um, types of uh, lessons as as Drumeo or Mike's lessons. But what he can offer is, uh, you know, teaching people how to play ABR songs. So that's exactly what you're getting here, um, and it's awesome. I just uh, was exploring the other day, and and all the content on there is just superb. So, so congrats to you, man, on getting that <laughs> getting that launched. Um, 
So thank you, man. Yeah, that's a good summary. We're going to be opening it up to certain tiers. If you are a Patreon and inner circle member in the community that we have following us, we're going to be opening it up to um, certain tiers there. Mm-hmm. So what that means is you'll be able to go to macronelessons.com. You'll be able to log in and you'll have access to everything. Yeah. What is everything? It's mostly drum related. So if you're not a drummer, I don't know that you're going to enjoy it all that much besides maybe just seeing drumming at different speeds, seeing different angles. I mean, the footage looks good, but yeah. it's, it is mainly for drummers. Yep. If you are a drummer, what are you going to get? It's, it's ABR songs played at different speeds, 75%, 88% and hundred. And then I started this thing called egg room hour, which Love is <laughs> based on where we started the band, um, in an egg room. I break down drum parts, fills, patterns, exercises, short little clips on my iPhone. Um, and it, it sort of juxtaposes the really pro footage that Clint shot of the ABR songs. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other things, discounted zoom lessons, um, zoom drummer hangout. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's awesome. Yeah. So you can, uh, you can go check it out. MacGrinderLessons.com, 10 bucks a month. Um, at least for now <laughs> you can lock in and you can, uh, pause, suspend or cancel at any time. Um, but you can lock in at $10 now or, um, I think we're going to do probably the triplet and ghost note tiers on our Holy Ghost Notes Patreon. Um, those tiers will have access to it as well. So, yeah. Um, but on that note, um, you just finished building a beautiful drum studio. Um, so this topic is extremely relevant. Um, I also have a studio. So we're each going to talk a little bit about um, what goes into building a studio, um, what um, the purposes for building a studio might be. Um, and then for those of you who aren't drummers, but just musicians, um, we are going to be talking about, um, DAWs, um, or recording software. Um, if you're not familiar with the term DAW, um, and microphones and some stuff like that. So we'll, we'll try to, to break it down in a way that's for, for everybody. Um, someone who might need just a quick, easy studio setup. It's actually much easier than you think, uh, much more affordable than you think. Um, and probably won't get too advanced, but you know, we'll go up to, you know, some pro level microphones and yeah, Mm -hmm. we're going to have a fun time. So, Mm -hmm. um, first things first, if, um, if you're watching on YouTube, um, hi, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, we're going to actually do a quick, um, walk around. Matt's going to show you a little bit uh, firsthand what his studio looks like, uh, and I'll do the same. Um, if you're not watching on YouTube and you're just listening, um, feel free to reference um, the YouTube video on our channel. Uh, we are releasing these episodes on YouTube now as well. Um, but if you're not, uh, don't worry. We're still going to talk about. We're going to talk about all the the uh, the studio stuff. We're going to get down and dirty. So, but yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it. Um, so so Matt, you. Um, you just finished building your studio, um, mm-hmm. primarily for uh, the purpose of recording drum videos and drum content. Um, so, tell us a little bit about what went into building your studio. Mm-hmm. As is the case with most things in my life, I don't have a vision of what I want to do until it just appears one day in my mind. I just think, okay. There it is. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And then the plan follows, but the plan's not laid out on a 
on a sticky note. Mm-hmm. It's not laid out in an Excel spreadsheet. It's just, I know where I need to get to. This thought just popped in my mind. I know I can do it. So let's just take the first step and then I'll see where that takes me. And that's, right. that's exactly what this project was. So um, I talked to Clint, who's the video guy I use for the project. And I said, here's my drum setup. Do you think we can film here? Otherwise, we're going to have to go to Think Loud Studios with Carson and Grant, record there. It's going to be much more costly to do. And he's like, I think we can film in your basement. But he's like, how about if we do a corner space? As soon as he said that, I, I stood down here and I, I looked at the corner and I realized I think I could do it using a certain look that Clint and I had talked about. Did some research on what I wanted to do as far as the, as far as the aesthetics and made um, lots and lots of trips to Lowe's. The difference between my studio and your studio is mine serves an aesthetic purpose and yours serves a sound proofing, sound yeah. isolating purpose. Yeah. I could care less about how it, how much sound I'm containing in my house, in my studio. doesn't matter to me. My neighbors don't care. And actually it's much quieter here than it used to be. Hmm. I care about the aesthetics, the visuals and the potential for uh, content creation. Right. That's the number one priority. So with that in mind, I wanted to utilize and sort of fall back on this idea of barn board, shiplap, um, not too much reds and oranges because the way skin tones work, skin mm-hmm. tones are a contrast, are in most contrast to a gray. A gray, uh, um, not so much a brown, but a gray, just sort of this this faded flat matte look mm-hmm. and so i was able to create that look with shiplap i purchased it from lowe's it was very easy to install the diff- the most difficult thing was i had to install furrows a furrow strip is most commonly used in a, in a remodel of a home where you aren't able to attach a wall to an existing wall in my case i had cinder block you can't really attach wood to cinder block easily mm-hmm. without using tap cons. So I had to take furrow strips, put tap cons through into the cinder blocks, and then attach the shiplap to the furrow strips. Once mm-hmm. that was done, I did all the wiring, put some lights in, moved the kit over, uh, mic'd everything up, ran my XLRs into my DAW, had my front of house engineer help me set up pro tools in a way that it was really easy to run. Every time I went to record, I had a template. Yeah. I'm running nine inputs. So I have kick in snare top, snare bottom, hi hat, overhead left, overhead right, tom, tom, tom. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. It's very simple. From there, I decided I wanted the computer in the corner, so I bought this gaming rig for my keyboard. There's nuances here and there, but I knew I wanted very little on the walls, very little on the floor, and a really just clean overall setup. Yeah. As far as the walls, I talked to Mike Johnson from Mike's Lessons. I've always really liked his symbol boxes. I asked if I could replicate what he designed, and he said, sure, absolutely. So I built these symbol boxes out of wood from my chicken house cool and put the blast bell in one put the original blast bell in the other and an 18 inch china in the third which is behind me here it's awesome yeah it's super cool um and and so just to deep dive a little bit um on your actual recording rig um you have you're using se mics right 
SE close mm -hmm. mics on your drums. Are they all SE? I'm using all SE microphones. Okay. The, um, the reason I'm using SE is we were in Europe and SE sent a bunch of mics to Chris, our front of house guy, to try out live. We tried them in sound check. We did not like them compared to what we were using. <laughs> okay. we we, I shouldn't say we didn't like them. We liked them, but they did not sound... They didn't give us the sound we were looking for live. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Chris, I kind of like the way these sound. Honestly, um, I get that they're not good for live in our application, but I think I could think I could use them in my studio. Yeah. So I talked to SE about it. We worked out a deal and um, I'm, I'm happy with, I'm happy with the drum mics. I think the overheads could be better. I've been talking to Chris about that and um, we're trying to work out. We were trying to work out. We'll have to start the conversation back up again, but yeah, the overheads are the only microphones I would say that are lacking with the setup. Kick drum mics, pretty good. I, I just bought a, um, an EQ pad to it, sort of intercept the XLR coming into the DAW to give it a mm -hmm. little bit more punch and shorten it, just create a quicker sound wave or peak in Pro Tools. Yeah. And aside from that, it's just about good good tuning and hitting your drums hard. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten pretty good results. Um, all of the songs and videos that you hear on my Macrounder lessons and even the playthroughs, they were all mixed. So they didn't sound that good coming right off the kit. Chris, my front of house guy, mixed everything, and he he spent a lot of time on it. He did a good job. Um, there are not samples on anything. He he did implement some uh, some room, some help from the room, um, just to give more body and more punch to the kit. But yeah, in general, the the sounds you're hearing are the kit. But it is definitely helped along by Chris. Yeah, yeah. So and so those those SE mics, um, there. So there are eight of them, right? Eight, eight mics, or is it a seven piece? Snare top, snare bottom, kick, tom, 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 overhead, overhead, yes, eight piece. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can actually get that same kit, I believe. I think SE sells it um, all in one package mm -hmm. um i think it's about a grand or so yeah it's like right around there um and then you're running directly into pro tools um yeah via, um was it uh was it a mackie mixer into the I, 002 rack yes i okay. have a 002 rack i have the 002 rack is where i'm putting um one of the inputs because i have nine mm -hmm. and then i have a behringer for the other eight i should say too okay, that that um what I just talked about that intercepts the kick mic going into the DAW, it's made mm -hmm. by Earthworks. Okay. I just picked up. That was 100 bucks. I haven't tried it out yet, but Chris seems to think it'll be helpful. Cool. He was getting too much. The, the kick was taking up too much space. Mm. That's the easiest okay. way to say it. Yeah. He wanted less of a footprint created by the kick drum, so he said, you should buy this. It'll shorten everything up. Yeah. Obviously, in metal, you need kick to mm -hmm. be pretty tight because everything's so fast. Yep. Yep. So I'm running an old version of Pro Tools. I'm running it on an old iMac. And I don't know much about Pro Tools. I'm not very good <laughs> at it. Um, but I'm good at it enough to try it and get better just a little bit every day. Mm -hmm. And that's the main thing I want to say in this part of this episode is something that I learned from this. 
experience of building out a studio is that you can ask somebody questions. You can consult people. You can say, how do you do that? Or how did you do that? Or what should I do? Ultimately, what I realized is you can figure almost anything out on your own. Yep. And the only thing stopping you from doing it is yourself. Just the fact that I don't know if I'm doing this the right way. My advice to you is just try it. Mm-hmm. I did that several times and then I did the other. I followed the other avenue of consulting somebody and taking the time to call them or text them. And it, it can be helpful, but oftentimes their response to me was the same thing I was thinking was like, oh, maybe I should try this, but I'm not really sure. Right. So if you're not sure what you're doing, it's okay. Just take your time in Pro Tools or if it's Logic, if it's building a studio, if it's what should I put on the walls, what should I use on the ceiling, what kind of lights should I do? It's All that stuff is so subjective to what you want to do. Just just try it. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't work, then correct it. And if it works, then dude, you've done it your own way. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I'm, I completely agree. Um, everything about recording. Um, I mean, I read, I read tons of books to try to inform myself to try to learn. Um, but really I have gotten better just from experience, just from doing it, from trying new things, learning the hard way. (laughs) Um, that's how, uh, I started recording. That's how, um, we started this podcast. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, (laughs) when we started this thing, which is why the first episode sounds terrible. Um, um, hopefully we've gotten a little better since then. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so my studio, I built, um, kind of just out of necessity. I live in a townhouse, um, between two other units and, um, there was no way I was going to be able to play drums without bothering the neighbors. So my studio was built really from, um, uh, just a place of needing to soundproof. Um, so what I did, um, I had a, I had a small closet. I think it was like four feet by nine feet. Um, I decided to build that out to nine feet by nine feet. So I took down one of the walls, um, and built it out an extra, you know, five feet, uh, four, four, yeah, four or five feet. Um, and then what I did was, um, I double sheet rocked on both sides of the walls and I used um, insulation. It's called Roxul Insulation, R-O-X-U-L. Um, uh, specifically, their Safe and Sound brand. Um, and it's fireproof or fire-resistant. I'm not sure if it's fireproof. Fire-resistant, um, soundproofing insulation. It's really thick. Um, it's not that fluffy pink insulation that you see in the ceiling. This is like, you know, really rough, very hard to squeeze. It's dense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put that all in the walls and then I double sheetrocked covering the seams with the, with the sheetrock, um, basically to reduce any sound bleed or as much sound bleed as I possibly could. Uh, I did that, um, on all the walls and the ceiling, double sheetrocked. Um, and, um, and then I also purchased a solid door instead of most, most houses have hollow wooden doors. It's very light, very easy. Um, so I purchased a solid door. Um, built a custom frame, um, which 
well, I'm saying I built it. My dad built it. <laughs> uh, my dad used to build houses, so he helped me out a lot with all of this. Um, but I've finished a few basements in my time, so I had a little bit, at least a little experience with with a drill and sheetrock and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so the door is solid um, and uh, shuts very, very tightly. Um, that was important as well. Um, and then the last thing I did was, uh, for those of you that can see this, I covered the room in acoustic foam. Um, it's, uh, I think I went on Amazon and just ordered a bulk shipment of the cheapest acoustic foam I could find. It's like, um, I believe it's 12 by 12, 12 inches by 12 inches. So just squares. And then it's, um, I think an inch and a half or two inches thick. Um, That's awesome. And that covers the entire room. I used like a 3M adhesive spray to attach them to the walls. And um, yeah, I mean, technically this room is really, you know, if you were to consult a uh, studio building specialist, they would say you just built yourself a vocal booth, <laughs> not right. a drum room. Right. Uh, drum rooms are usually in, recorded in large rooms um, with wooden floors and sound damp dampening um on the ceilings and walls. Um, this is like a very tight room. Um, Matt kind of has the idea. Hopefully you have a good idea based on the walk around video, but it is tight in here. My back is almost against the wall. My kick drum has about a foot and a half between the wall. <laughs> um, so it's tight in here. Um, but what I basically do is I, I, I have, the sound is so dead. In fact, my wife doesn't even like coming in here because she gets a little claustrophobic. As soon as you walk through the door, it's like the sound gets sucked away. Mm -hmm. There's just, there's no, nothing's reverberating. There's no, uh, sound isn't bouncing around. So what I like about that is that I have my drums close mic'd and I don't have any residual sound. There's no reverb getting picked up by any of the mics. Um, and if I was producing a real professional album I would probably prefer to have a little bit of that natural reverb recorded but in my case I can uh, you know purchase real I mean the plugins that they have now um for these uh for these DAWs are like incredible they yeah. have slate plugins um I specifically use um IK's um IK Multimedia's plugins um and those reverb plugins are just so awesome um, so I can add reverb to any one of the mics. Typically, I'll keep the close mics just dead. Um, mm -hmm. I'll use some EQing and compression on those, and then I'll put some reverb on the overheads just to give it a little bit of almost a natural-sounding um, big room feel. Um, and that's it. And it sounds it sounds pretty great. Um, I've recorded a lot in this room, and it's definitely the best drum sounds I've achieved short of recording in a real studio. So... Um, that's incredible great. if you think about it. I mean, you're yeah. in your house. Like you walk <laughs> out of basement. your house, you go upstairs, and there's your son and your wife. She's yep. cooking dinner, and he's taking a nap, and yep. you're downstairs. That's a, an amazing achievement. And I've, yep. I've, I have also sensed that feeling of just pride in knowing that you've built something that does hold a candle to a professional setting, which we're all very familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was it was cool um, seeing you experience that when you got those first mixes back from Chris, and you're like, "This was recorded in my basement." <laughs> I still can't <laughs> you know, believe it's, it. It's it's wild. I mean, if you if you put it like right up against you know the top studios, you'd probably be able to tell a difference a little bit. Yeah. But honestly, like 
that little difference for the thousands of dollars it would have cost to get that little difference mm-hmm. is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the real difference between what I'm doing and what Matt's doing, you know, Matt has, um, he has the SE close mics on his kit. Um, and that's great. In fact, I would just about, I would, I would probably recommend to anyone starting out to get a mic kit from somewhere. Mm-hmm. I started with, um, a Samson mic kit. It was a seven piece, same thing. Look, little microphones, um, with clips that are attached. They just mm-hmm. clip right on your drums. Um, really easy to set up. They're already pre EQ'd in most cases to pick up the specific drum a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's very little need, uh, you still have to mix it at the end of the day, but there's very little need to adjust. Um, they're built for live, they're built for studio. Um, I've been recording with, um, with Pro Tools since I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so, I've stuck with Pro Tools over the years. Um, I'm running version 10 at this point, so I'm still a little behind compared to what they have out now. But um, I've also built up a lot of gear over the years. Um, So microphones, I I became a little bit of a gear nerd when I was working at Guitar Center and picked up uh, Shure, specifically has a a mic kit. Uh, It comes with three SM58s and a Beta 52 which is just a great start. SM57s, sorry, did I say 58 or 57? I got three SM57s with mm. a 52. Um, and the 57s are just great across the board. I still think they're probably the best snare mic for anything. Mm. Even if you go to a studio that has, you know, $1,000 uh, microphones, they're going to be using a 57 on the snare, most likely. Um, and uh, yeah, I've just built up, built up my microphones since then. Um, I'm not going to get too deep down that rabbit hole but uh yeah i agree um to your point about buying a mic kit i think that the general mindset when you're starting off on something is how do i know what to get how do i know that i'm not getting ripped off how do i know that i'm getting the right thing that's going to get me the right results to your point earlier i could have spent a couple extra thousand dollars to get drum sounds that would have just been a little bit better I think what you should do if you're listening to this and if you want to get into this world, it is going to feel overwhelming at first because you first of all have the video aspect, you have the audio aspect, and you have the the infrastructure, the aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the device or devices capturing the audio. You have the editing. There, There are so many different angles here. Don't bite off too big a piece of one thing because you're going to in essence be sacrificing other elements that are just as important Mm -hmm. so here's what i'll say if you buy a mic kit that has a three and a half star review and the reviews are like this stuff sounds pretty good but just disregard everything after the but you're not trying to produce state-of-the-art sounding drums here What people, what an audience is going to be focused on more than your drum sounding unbelievable is the fact that, wow, it's pretty cool that this person built this. This person obviously put this together. They assembled this. They did the work and they created this. Oh, and by the way, I'm not even really thinking about the way the drums sound anymore. I'm focused a lot on what kind of beats he's playing. And wow, he's having a lot of fun doing that. And wow, this this part's innovative and creative. Well, what does that all speak to? You as a drummer. It speaks Mm -hmm. to you as a performer, you as a musician. And if you're spending all this time and all this money and all this energy in this other world of creating this 
incredibly professional content, something's being, I mean, something's falling behind. Something isn't being given the time that you once were able to give it. And in most mm-hmm. cases with the students that I've talked to, they are frustrated that they had so much time to practice before and now they don't because they're they're so consumed with all these other elements. Don't feel like you have to jump headfirst into the studio, recording, video, all of this, this entire world. Because if you do that, you're going to leave behind the most important element, which is what are you actually filming? What are you mm-hmm. actually recording? Yeah, the recording might be incredible by the end of the day, but the content is what really matters. In our episode yep. with Luke Holland, if you were able to see that or hear that, sorry, hear that at that time, we weren't doing video. Um, he said something that stuck with me, which was oftentimes he'll shoot a video on his iPhone and it'll get twice the views. That's not verbatim, but it will get more views, significantly more views than a professionally shot, pretty expensive capture. Video, audio, mm-hmm. everything's mixed and sounds sick. Why? Because people want to see what it's really like. They don't want everything yeah. dolled up and glorified all the time. Yeah, that's that's cool if you're if you're paying for that. That's cool if you're expecting that. But when it really comes down to it, social media is filled with this idea that everything's perfect and everyone's life is better than yours. And if you can give them a moment of, hold on, no, it's not. Um, you, you can do this because you have the same phone I'm using right now to record this. That is going to capture people's attention more than, wow, that person spent a lot of money on that project and it looks and sounds cool, but I don't yeah. think I'm going to watch the whole thing. That's the right. way I am. So use that upfront before you even spend a dime on your studio, before you even begin to, jump headfirst into this project and it is a project my studio took me two months and it's not even there's not even that much to it it's it's just the aesthetics like we were talking about I made a space into a studio I didn't build anything new really um don't don't go full-blown I'm spending my bank account and taking that alone to make this happen. Please do not do that. If it comes to the point where it's necessary for you to do that, it will become self-evident. You'll be like, dang, this has potential. I could actually see this working. I'm going to make an investment into it because there's a demand. Don't supply more than what you think the demand will be. And you can't really know what the what the demand will be until you've created a supply. So just go in just a little bit. It's okay if it doesn't sound or look amazing. In my case, yep. I mean, Tim's very nice, but you heard sort of how he talked about the SE mics. Like, they're good mics, dude, but it's a mic kit. Yeah. They're, they're not the best mics in the entire world. They're not the mics I use with ABR. But if you just want to look and see, like, how, how do those mics sound? Go over to YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you're already on YouTube, just just search August Prince Red Paramount drum cover and listen. The, yep. the drum mix has a little help from Chris, but it's there's no samples. Like we captured that audio with these mics. Mm. And yep. if you're not a pro and you haven't spent a lot of time around this stuff, you're probably not even going to notice a difference. In fact, I'm sure a lot right. of people think it's just the drum audio <laughs> from the record. Yep. And I'll speak into that a little bit too. Keep in mind, um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Instagram, uh, definitely Facebook, and I'm pretty sure even YouTube, they compress the audio. Mm. So you might be ecstatic with how your drums sound on Pro Tools at 32-bit 
<laughs> hmm. um, it is going to majorly compress that audio when you upload. Um, so that I didn't makes even know that it matter even less. Right. Um, you know, it, well, you know, I actually mix specifically for compression, knowing that Instagram was is going to screw with how it sounds at the end of the day, and most people are listening to it from their phone speakers rather than headphones. So there's all these things that play into it. So like Matt said, it's really about who you are, the personality that you have, um, the aesthetic that that is behind you and what you're able to bring because it's very visual now and not as much about the quality of audio. Mm. Not that you should ignore it. Um, the reason I don't just use a, a mic kit is, is A, because I really do care about the sound quality uh, and it's fun for me to experiment with different sounds, but also because I wanted to be set up for session work mm. in which I actually do need to be a little bit more focused on the audio capture. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the SE mic kit is a great option. It sounds incredible. I was extremely impressed um, with how that sounded. Um, and anyone that tells you that this specific mic is the only mic that you should ever use on this drum or this thing, they're lying. Mm. <laughs> um, I use just old microphones that my uncle gave me or that a friend of mine found in the trash that still had a signal. Like, I mean, I, the subkick mic that I have, I built myself. I reversed the polarity on a six inch speaker and, and that's, that's my subkick. Um, you know, it's like it, <laughs> you can, you're capturing sound and there's a lot that goes into it. And granted, there are some mics that are just incredible. Uh, the 57 is the best bang for your buck, in my opinion. Hmm. You can record snares, you can re record toms, um, but yeah, don't don't think too much about about that. Think about um, just getting yourself yourself set up. We've said it in the past. You can purchase an EAD10 um, mm -hmm. and set your smartphone up somewhere and start posting. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's not about the audio quality, or it's a little bit about the audio quality. I'm not going to lie, it's a little bit about the audio quality, but in most cases, it's about what you're bringing to the table. Right. Um, you, you know, how how you're playing. People aren't going to start following you or uh, watch, you know, watch your videos all the time because of how good that snare sounds. Um, at least mo in most cases. Some people might. <laughs> Some <laughs> most people. people won't. Most people won't follow you just because your snare sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. People are going to follow you because what you're actually bringing to the table is cool. Yeah. And different. And, uh and they like watching it. It's entertaining. You know, that's that's really what people are after, at least from the drum video side. Um, if you are looking to build a studio for sound purposes, for recording your band's album, for instance, um, probably won't get into that too much today, mm -hmm. um, but maybe we'll bring Grant on at some point and we'll deep dive some microphones. Um, and if you have questions, you know, I am a total nerd. So <laughs> reach out on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> I'm more than happy to answer your questions. Um, and uh, I'll tell you exactly what I'm using and how I'm using it. Um, real briefly, before we move on to our faith topic, um, on the mixing side, just because we didn't hit on that at all, um, there, are, there are a number of different um, DAWs you can use. Um, DAW, D-A-W, uh, stands for Digital Audio Workstation. Um, and there are a number of different ones you can use. Matt and I both run Pro Tools. Um, that's my favorite, but it's also the one I have the most experience with. Mm -hmm. um, Me too. There's, there's Logic. Um, there's Studio One. 
Uh, there's GarageBand. Um, there's there's a number of them. Um, <laughs> there's pretty much anywhere you look, you can find something. And there's a lot of free ones um, as well. Um, what I would say as far as mixing, what you need for for drums specifically is a gate plugin, so that you can cut out um, microphone bleed, um, which is extra sound that's captured. Like so, if you have your Tom close mic'd, you're picking up a cymbal. You can actually, with that gate, um, cut out frequencies um, at a certain level so that all you hear, or mostly what you hear, is that tom sound or that snare sound mm-hmm. or whatever you're close miking. Um, so a gate. Uh, compression is huge. I use compression on everything. Um, and compression basically is just taking all of those unnecessary uh, frequencies and smushing it. It really... Uh, add some power to your snare and your kick drum specifically. Um, on top of that, get yourself a good EQ. Um, there's nothing more fun for a mixing engineer than messing around with EQ because <laughs> you can really pull some beautiful sounds out of, uh, out of these microphones with, uh, with an EQ. And then um, that's really what you need. Um, on top of that, if you're in my situation, a dead room, with no additional reverb, get yourself a, a nice reverb plugin, um, and that's it. Once you're once you have that, I mean, you can pull a great sound just using those plugins right there. Mm-hmm. That's like pretty much your basic um, your basic stack right there. Um, and there's plenty of YouTube videos. Uh, I know we didn't get too in depth here, but there's plenty of YouTube videos, plenty of books. Um, there, you know, it's not hard to find information and um, and lessons on how to use each of these things and, and how to do this the right way. So I think the, the, the best advice to fall off of that is just to try it. Just get into yep. it. I, I remember talking to Mike Johnson about what I could possibly contribute that he hasn't already created in the drum education world. Maybe you're in drum education. Maybe you're looking to be in drum education. It's certainly a great time too, with everything being virtual with COVID-19 shutting everything down. Um, maybe you're looking to just produce cool drum content to uh, put on Instagram or on YouTube, a drum channel, or maybe you play another instrument. Yeah. Try not to think about what other people are doing so much as what do you have to bring to the table? That was his advice to me. What mm-hmm. do you think people would find the most captivating, interesting, impressive, entertaining about what you have to offer? And then once you figure that out, just start. Just start to do it. You're going to be frustrated at times. You're going to be lost at times. But you won't know the areas in which you're deficient until you just start. You can do as much research as you want beforehand. You can't really prepare for this world of content creation. At least I'm speaking from personal experience. I felt like I knew enough about it before going into Pro Tools and starting to record. And then I realized, wait a second, how do I X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I've always wanted to do this, but yeah, this sounds cool, but it also sounds overwhelming. Like we could talk about this for days and days and days and you could take it all in like a sponge and feel like you're prepared and then you get into it. And as soon as you're facing that screen by yourself and stuff's locking up and restarting, like there's so many nuances to capturing everything that you're going to be creating. If you've spent time working on your craft and you feel like you're ready to start capturing it, you have a choice. You can either do it yourself, you can do nothing at all, or you can pay someone to do it. And mm-hmm. so I would maybe just write those down and say, 
what is it going to do to me on a personal level for, you know, for my future, if I follow each one of these? Yeah, man, that's, uh, that's incredible advice. I don't even think I have anything to add to that because <laughs> that was, I don't, I don't know. It sounds like I don't know what I'm doing. So it's <laughs> maybe that's the best place. That's the well, best place to start. Hopefully it's encouraging to all of you to know that we don't know what we're doing. Um, we're still figuring it out. <laughs> and, uh, so you're right there with us. Um, but hopefully some of the advice that we, we gave, uh, was useful in some way. And, um, like I said, if you have questions, um, we might not have all the answers, but you're more than welcome to reach out um, on Instagram or Facebook. Our email is Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com. And um, yeah, I could talk your ear off about this stuff. It's I'm actually really kind of restraining myself from going deeper into <laughs> this because it's been such a huge part of my life. I know, I'm like pulling Tim's arm. <laughs> but, Tim, you have to stick yes. to a 40-minute topic. Uh, we we got to yeah. close it. Got to close it. Yeah. Well, with that being said, let's transition. Um, our faith topic today is uh, identity. Uh, this has been something that I've been thinking about a lot and I haven't really gotten too far <laughs> in my thinking on this and I'm hoping that this conversation will... Uh, bridge the gap a little bit. Um, so what made me think about this uh, topic specifically um, is actually directly related to what's happening in the world right now. And that's just um, this this lockdown, this quarantine. Um, there's people losing their jobs, um, people that um, are, you know, quarantined at home. They can't see their friends um, and they can't do things that they love. Um like I'm, I'm fortunate because I have a drum studio in my basement. I can still play drums and I can still make music and, you know, but uh, I know for a lot of people, their drum sets set up at their practice studio and they can't get there <laughs> or, you know, um, so I'm very fortunate, but there's a story about, um, a business owner, a local business owner. Um, and they had to shut down. He was a, he owned a, a music shop. This was his dream to own, own a music shop and he had to shut down. Um, they actually had to permanently close this music shop due to the lockdown. Um, they just couldn't afford to pay rent. Um, and it hit me, um, cause there's so many people in this boat and, you know, identity is, you know, it's, it's something that defines us. You know, we define ourselves based on certain characteristics, you know, our jobs, or um, our children or our families, um, you know, our hobbies. That's where we find identity in a lot of cases. How detrimental would it be to lose something that you base your identity on? It's like losing a part of yourself, right? And, and it just made me think about, you know, the Bible talks all the time about you know, placing your identity in Christ. What does that mean? There's a lot in the Bible that talks about what that means, but what does it actually mean practically? Like, hmm. let's take what's happening right now and just say like, okay, you lost your job. It was your dream job. Um, you were doing what you loved. Um, or even a darker, we'll take it a darker, um, to a darker place you lost your child or you lost your family member during this whole virus. 
um, they were your identity. You were you were a parent, or you were a brother, or you were a son. You know, your whole life was based around them. You found your identity in them, and you just lost them. You just lost a piece of yourself. Um, yeah, that's that's the premise <laughs> of this topic, and I wanted to bring that forth. And I kind of so I have a question for see. you. Yep, I have a question. Do you think that this COVID nineteen quarantine two or three month period that we're currently in is the first time in many people's lifetimes, if you're under the age of, let's just say 25, first time in a 25-year-old's life Mm -hmm. that you're getting the truest look at their identity. In other words, this is an incredibly difficult time for people. It's a time of change, sacrifice, fear, unknown. Mm -hmm. It's a pressure cooker. Yeah. Do you think that you see who someone really is when they're in a period of time like this? I would say so, at least to an extent. I mean, this is uh, this is a pressure cooker for some and uh, a major opportunity for others, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I think definitely um, in some cases you're going to see people's true colors. In others, they're going to really flourish um, which I guess could still well, be seeing their true colors in a, in a way. Okay. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm. So in a time, in a time when you can really capitalize off of someone else's fear, off of someone else's, um, inability to move past, to move out of their house, to open the door because they're immunocompromised, you know, yeah. there, there are opportunities that have never existed before. And there are opportunities that, on the contrary, have been squashed mm. by this. And it's it's created a scenario in which I think we're able to see straight into the heart of many people in a way that it's very unique. Now, the reason I'm saying all that is because I read an article about Will Smith. <laughs> Will Smith's wife says something to the effect of, I had no idea who my husband was. I clicked on it. It was clickbaity for sure. Mm-hmm. And I read this article about how because they're home all of the time together, because he's not working on set, and I assume she she was probably pretty busy doing the same thing or just being a very public figure. There's there's are there's so many responsibilities, obligations, opportunities. Um, whether you're turning them down or you're accepting them, a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, for the first time, presumably, in their marriage, which I think is decades long, they're together. And she's coming to the conclusion. She she, she came to the conclusion. I, I, I actually had no idea who my husband was until this. Hmm. Now, think about that. You can spend years and years and years with someone. It's them. It's not that they've changed overnight. It's just that you've stripped the fat. You've taken away all of these things that... Make them who they are for sure. Yeah. It's a component of who they are. But when you take those things away, what remains is probably at the core of their identity. Hmm. It's much nicer for me to be able to play drums throughout the week than for me to not have that opportunity. I'm probably a much nicer person when I'm able to do what I want throughout the week versus when I'm not able to. Yeah. So the argument can be made. Am I more myself if I've played a lot of drums in a week and I've been able to do what I've wanted? Or am I more 
so showing my true colors if I'm unable to. Hmm. And I and you've stripped away these desires that aren't necessary to who I am, but they sure are fun. It's a part of me that I absolutely think is central to who I am, but are those things rooted in my identity because they're fun and they're pleasurable? Or is my identity really rooted in something that's unwavering, irregardless of what's happening that week? I think in Will Smith's case, just like all of us, when you take away can you imagine the amount of affirmation that dude gets um, just being a celebrity so mm-hmm. loved and just so accepted and so championed by everybody he meets so wanted. Right. And all of a sudden he's home and he's being told to wash the dishes. I am assuming that there were times where it's just like eh, some frustration bulls over because he hasn't gotten that pat on the back that he's so used to getting from exterior factors and his wife I mean, it's not her job necessarily to make him feel like Will Smith. Like that's her husband. He's supposed to be there for her too. Mm -hmm. Really made me think about this idea of who are we really when you strip away all of the luxuries that we really do have. They're luxuries. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I feel like we take on a lot of things too in addition because identity is just, it's a small world, a small word that means a lot of different things. And, and you have people, you know, I mean, I'm sure you are, you feel pressured with your identity because when people hear Matt Griner, they think drummer of August Burns Red. You mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm sure a, a majority of the people who don't necessarily know me, but know of me at this point say, oh yeah, Tim Anderson, you know, co-hosts of Holy Ghost Notes, because that's what most people know me for. That's mm-hmm. become a part of how people identify me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's who I think I am. <laughs> um, there's who other people think I am. Mm-hmm. There's who my friends and family might think or know that I am. And mm-hmm. then there's who we actually are, and that is who God mm-hmm. made us to be. Mm-hmm. So how do we identify our mm-hmm. actual identity? <coughs> that is... Uh, I don't have the answer to that. <laughs> Man, if all of that's true, that uh, the, the those are some high weeds to try to walk through. I mean, <laughs> how do you how deep. do you figure out how do you figure out uh, how do you figure out where you're at? I I, yeah. I I think I think you're right. I think that our idea of who we are is much different than other people than other people's ideas of who we are. And then, mm-hmm. of course, like to your point about friends and family, they know you better than strangers. So right. their way of viewing you is different. Mm-hmm. To your point about, you said the word identify. Identify, the way that people identify you, how do people view you? Is it the way you view yourself? It, on a personal level, when let's just take for example this public profile angle so we put up a playthrough yesterday there's a thousand likes on the video and zero dislikes and there's still a thought in the back of your head that says can it be true is it actually true that everybody likes this even though a thousand to zero you didn't force them you didn't pay them there's no obligation to do that there's still the thought in the back of your head. That is 
I believe, part of my identity. This idea that I don't quite match up. I don't quite measure up. Hmm. And I know it's part of my identity because I see it show up every so often in these moments where I'm presenting myself to a group of people and they have the opportunity to judge what they see mm-hmm. and their judgment of what they see is mostly positive. And yet my reaction to their judgment of me is I doubt that's true. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Their yeah. view of me is different than my view of myself. And then when that one negative one, one thumbs down pops up there and then two and then three, you start to say, ha ha. Yeah. I knew it. I, I knew people were holding out and yeah. yet someone comes in from the outside and says, dude, it's a thousand likes to three dislikes. Like mm-hmm. you do realize that that is saying something and, mm-hmm. and inside I'm saying, well, you don't really know. When I tell people that they're, 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 they're usually surprised because they're like, wait, you really don't think that you measure up. You really don't think that you are you know, whether it's the type of drummer or the type of speaker or the type of whatever, doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is. Yeah. They don't really say it in farming because, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not really known for that. So, um, but whenever I say that people are, people are surprised like, wait, really? Like you, like there's no way you actually think that way. It's like, no, seriously, I do. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be humble. I, I like, this has nothing to do with being humble. Mm-hmm. People in the Christian circles would would probably rightly say it could it could potentially be a false humility, mm-hmm. but I'm not even trying to do that. I'm just saying central to my identity is this idea that I don't measure up, I don't match up. Even though you can have ten compliments in a day, and at the end of the day, you might have one half criticism. That one half criticism overweighs everything else. And I think in general that's human nature. Mm-hmm. I think in general, it's human nature. I think what, what God has been trying to do since the very beginning has been to speak to us in a way to say, look, you're right in a way. You do not measure up, but don't stop there. You have to keep going because you also have to see in full context how I see you. That's only half of it at the most. The rest of it is that you matter so much to me that I laid my life down so that you can have yours. I want to be with you. Like you, you are worth everything actually. Hmm. And that's the side of identity that I think is harder for us to latch onto. And I think oftentimes when people latch onto it, it's oftentimes done in this prideful narcissistic way. That's just a total turnoff and not rooted in what's, what's actually healthy. Yeah. So you just, you just made a really interesting point and, and I want to ask you a question, I guess, is because I, I had a question in mind and now it's shifted. So the way that you just described identity or the way that um, you are relating to identity is similar to security or insecurity in the opposite tense. Um, so, so if identity in a way is security, and here's my actual question, what does it mean to have identity in Christ when the Bible says place your identity in Christ, does that mean place your security or your insecurity in Christ? Is that what he's actually saying? What do you think about that? I think identity and security are synonymous Mm. or identity and insecurity. Mm -hmm. I think, here's what I think. I mean, I I know the answer to my own problem 
and yet I don't stop for long enough to actually face it. But the, the problem is if I judge myself according to my standards of how my drumming should be or how I should be living my life, I'm never going to measure up. Yeah. And on the contrary, if I judge myself that way and my perspectives changed according to my own judgments and I do measure up, I'm going to be the most cocky SOB you've ever met in your life. Yeah. And so that can't work. Right. And I can't measure myself based on what other people say about me. So I can't measure, I can't judge myself on what other people say. I think Paul said this and I can't judge myself based on what I say. So whose judgment do I need to use to view myself? Will it give me security or insecurity? Hmm. Of course, the answer in the Christian sense is God's view of me is like I said, and Tim Keller says all the time, we're, 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 you know, we're dirtier. This isn't verbatim, but we're dirtier than we can even imagine we are, even if we think we're pretty dirty. And at the same time, we're more loved and accepted than we can even imagine. Right. And if you use that, I think it gives you the security that supersedes everything else. I can play this horrible show. My drumming totally lapses and falls apart and everybody sees me for who I really am. Right. That's mm-hmm. the fear. And yeah. am I really going to be seen for who I am? Am I going to throw that garden hose on those plants and, and tell my tenant what I did? And she's going to be like, ha, I knew he wasn't this upstanding landlord that really wants the best for us. You know, it, it, hap- it shows up everywhere. We mm-hmm. don't want to be seen for who we are. If, if we're able to judge ourselves according to God's view of us, then we're no longer looking at what other people say. It matters, but it doesn't shoot to the core. And we're no longer looking at what we say. I, I, I really do believe based on the fact that I've tried both of those, <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. honestly still, I'm still utilizing my own view more than I'm viewing mm-hmm. God's. I know that I know I'm doing that, but even as we talk about it, I know it's true that if you're building a relationship with God that speaks louder to you than your own view of yourself, then mm-hmm. you'll be a, you'll be fairly secure in that yeah. type of relationship. So that's it. I mean, we, you and I grew up in the church and many of you listening, I'm sure have heard, you know, bring God into everything. God needs to be a part of everything. And and right. for me, that actually, that those words worked against me and yeah. that I felt like I had to actually do something that the, the band that I was starting had to be a Christian band. It had yeah. to be God focused and we had to pray before every practice and every before every chord, you know, like, <laughs> like it was so ingrained that God needed to be brought into everything in my life. But really, we just we just discovered what that meant. What it means is to, to find your identity in Christ, to bring God into every situation is to approach everything, not to please others, not even to please yourself, but to please him. And when you mm. know how he thinks about you, he is pleased. Mm. He is he loves you. He's, That's right. He is proud of you. He is pleased with you. It doesn't matter what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and so my mind, again, just to bring it back to where we're at right now, like, I, you know, I'm stuck at home. There's certain things that I can't do. I'm much more fortunate than others. But for any of you that have found your identity in things that you can no longer be a part of or take part in, your job, your friends, um, your family, your hobby, whatever it, whatever it is, um, take or ha- find peace in knowing that God's opinion of you is your identity, hmm. and He is pleased. 
We lost a giant yesterday. If you're listening to this, it'll be a little bit longer, but we lost Robbie Zacharias yesterday. Yeah. And I told my mom, it feels like the earth's spinning a, a little bit differently. It's like yeah. one of those losses that it just, um, well, you know, it's a big deal when CNN features a headline, Christian apologist passes away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's big. Well, I was thinking about it first. My first thought is if he's not talking to Jesus, None of us have a shot. <laughs> my, my second thought was the common thread of what I saw people posting was something to this effect. Ravi went to be with Jesus today. I'm sure he's hearing the words, quote, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. And the reason everyone was saying it and the reason you'd say it and I would say it is because of, of, of course that that's the reaction that he would be getting from someone who he defended. He stood up for, he argued for, he lived a life after a suicide, after a suicide attempt at age 17, he gave his life to God and it, it produced six, uh, 57 years of service. And you use the word pleased, right? We're not yeah. trying to please others. We're not trying to even please ourselves. We've already found pleasure. God is already pleased. And it just it's, that's the first face I saw in my mind is like Ravi. Mm. You know, that's, that's for Ravi. He lived that kind of life. And he did it with authenticity. He did it unapologetically, arguing the case what he really, really believed in. Yeah. Imagine the attacks that he endured. Imagine mm-hmm. how many times he had to look at that metaphor, that, that figurative thumbs down on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how you do that other than you know that you're accepted and that God finds pleasure yeah. in you. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it, it just brings this idea of being eternally minded you know, it doesn't mean that you can't be a part of what's what's happening right now. You know, by being eternally minded, it doesn't mean to separate yourself from the people in your life or the things that you love. Um, God gave you those things. You know, God made you love drums as much as you do, you know. Um, but in order to to live a fulfilled life, which is really what most of us are, are trying to do in some way or another, you know, to, to live a full, fulfilled life at some point, you're going to get too old to play double bass as fast as you know how to right now, <laughs> That's you true. know, or, or, or something's going to happen. God forbid something, something yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't do and it. And you're not able to play drums. If you found, if your identity is solely placed on being a drummer, you've lost your identity. Mm-hmm. That's right. But if you're eternally minded, if what you're thinking is, what does God think of the, of me? <laughs> and when you're reassured that God is pleased, it removes all the pressure. You know, it, it it's and again, not to not to say to, to let go of everything and, and just to yeah. be, you know, right, right. I, I hate people. No, I don't hate people. I dislike strongly dislike people yeah, yeah, yep. who are only focused on death, I know. I know. on on the next life and they mm-hmm. disregard everything else that's happening. I, I, I can't, I can't uh, agree with that at all, 
but you can still be eternally focused yeah and be present <laughs> it's, uh, could it know. be that it actually gives you more perspective I more think. perspective and a, a more laser like focus on the things that you have here could it be that the more that i spend yeah. time with god and think about what he has for me and how he views me the the better i am at this instrument the better well, i am yeah. certainly at playing this instrument so that other people like it enjoy it and get satisfaction mm-hmm. out of it well here's here's my thought is that you know we're we're you as a drummer you make goals for yourself you set goals you see an end goal and once you hit that goal you make another goal I see being eternally minded as seeing the goal, seeing the the end hmm. target, you know. Um, and once you have that goal, everything else comes in alignment with that. Hmm. I like that. that. Right. Okay. So the perspective means, in an eternal sense, that you're looking out this window and you're seeing the horizon, and everything before it is illuminated by the horizon. But you're most focused on that beautiful, far off, perfect destination in a sense. But but still ahead of you lies this incredible path. Mm-hmm. And you're right. The apocalyptic end of the world idea of, oh, this is all terrible. And I just need to close my eyes and just run through it as quickly as I can is complete trash. Yeah. It's complete trash. <laughs> Total. Totally. <laughs> well, I, and again, if you have that perspective, if that's the end goal, um, and you know what God thinks of you, then you're seeing every trial, as we've talked about numerous times in this podcast. If if you're seeing every trial as a a, a growth period, a way to become better, um, you know, most of us with perspective, with the right perspective, see the things that we've gone through in the past as things that have made us who we are, that's the perspective we need to have. And if we carry on that perspective and we see the end goal, when we're going through those things, it's that much easier because it's like, I see the end goal. I'm still Mm. pushing for that goal. You know, I might've screwed up. I might've made a mess of this whole thing, but I know how God thinks of me. Mm. (laughs) I know where I'm headed in the, at the end of this, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and everything begins to come in alignment with that with that idea, with that thought, with that knowledge. And I think that is finding your identity. That's finding your security, right? How do you think you're doing with this? Terrible. <laughs> That's good to say. I'm not alone this here. Is, I'm, not, I'm not giving advice. I am, uh, <laughs> I'm recording this so I can listen back later and, and hold myself accountable. Um, because this is not how I think <laughs> most of the time. But. Yeah, no, I hear you. Once again, this is a conversation that we need to hear probably more than you as an audience needs to listen. So thank you for joining (laughs) us in this conversation. This has been um, incredibly appropriate in my life, as is usually the case. And Mm. we encourage you just to take a look at both of these topics, maybe with one thing in mind, um, which in my opinion would be just try it. Mm -hmm. Just try it. If it's a studio or if it's putting content out there and you're afraid of what the reaction is going to be, dude, you and me both. Uh And if you're really not sure how to view yourself the way God does, well, if you're not sure, you should 
Has it been working for you so far to judge yourself according to, to, to other people's, you know, a view of you? You're inflated one day and in the pits the next because it's all dictated by someone else's view. And if it's based on your own view of yourself, is that working out? You're either high as a kite one day because of something you did or you're completely depressed the next. I think that yeah. there's a more, I think there's level ground to walk on. And I think that it's, it's, it's sitting there right in front of us and we need to quit digging underneath of it and building mountains on top of it. I think that it's, it's a really solid ground and I'm hoping to find it just like Tim is. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. That's it. Well, thank you guys again for, for joining us and, and, uh, for being a part of this conversation. Um, as we mentioned at the beginning, you know, it's been, um, it's been awesome seeing this community, this inner circle community, um, being built and continuing this conversation. Um, so if, if you're interested in, um, in supporting this podcast in any way, or you just want to get more involved, be more part of it, continue the conversation with this amazing community group. Um, you can check it out. It's patreon.com slash Holy Ghost Notes. Um, and there's a number of different tiers with some, you know, additional perks and incentives. Um, as you heard at the beginning too, we'll be offering Matt's drum lessons um, yeah. as an incentive as well. And if you did so. miss that, just know MattGrinderLessons.com. Um, as a member mm-hmm. of that website, you have access to August Burns Red drumming played at slower speed so you can learn the songs. There's also additional drum lesson footage on there called Eggroom Hour and some other perks. As mm-hmm. a Holy Ghost Notes fan or Patreon subscriber in our inner circle, the top two tiers, the triplet, and the Ghost Note will have access to that site without any additional payment or work. So mm-hmm. if you are a subscriber in the Patreon at those upper two tiers, you'll have access to all that stuff. And uh, we just really come June fifteenth. Come come June fifteenth. That's correct. Not today, but soon. <laughs> Not today, but soon. Yeah, and uh, I have a few shout outs um, for some new inner circle members that uh, just joined us. So huge shout out to Blake Arnsdorf, Ryan McGuire, and Brandon Kuntz. Um, thank you guys for your support. Thanks, guys. I'm um, really looking forward to to getting to know you and. Um, yeah, and speaking of the inner circle, we actually have um, a member who's been uh, supporting us um, for for a while now. Um, his name is Seth, and uh, we're going to bring him on for just a short little conversation. Um, so, uh, yeah. All right, so we have a very special feature here today. This is actually the first of its kind. We have a Patreon high echelon upper tier <laughs> upper tier subscriber with us his name is seth miller and we're very excited to have you man thanks so much for joining us yeah oh thank you guys for having me it's it's a pleasure to join you guys tonight the pleasure is ours and it is it, it is tonight it's it's not later than 10 though or 11 <laughs> like tim and i usually it normally is yeah Sorry. it's normally late it is not late right now and uh, we're all pretty happy about that so Anyway, we just want to jump into a, a quick conversation here with you, Seth, about um, just about yourself. Right. So let's that's, that's just start with a little background. You live in Ohio. You're younger than both yep. Tim and I. Um, how'd you find out about Holy yeah. Ghost Notes? Um, actually, I'm, I'm I'm somewhat a fan of August Burns Red. Okay. And I've, 
I found out about Holy Ghost Notes back in when it originally started when you made posts about it. Okay. But the thing is, I never listened to it right away. Hmm. It was actually like maybe like when I went to the last June when I went to the Constellations tour yeah. and the Cleveland show, I, I actually like a week before that is when I first started listening. Oh, cool. Like I downloaded a bunch of episodes a lot a while ago and in the back of my mind I thought do I want to listen to this whenever I'm bored or whenever I just want to <laughs> listen to it when I'm at work? Because I didn't, I didn't know what to expect because I mean, yeah, I'm a drummer myself Yeah. and I just thought I'll get to it eventually. <clears throat> and yeah, I, yeah, ever since that, I've just been a fan and I kind of just started hammering like three or four episodes at a time and it was, it's worth it. That's awesome. What's one of your favorite episodes if you had to pick one or two? If I had to pick one, Ooh, I would say the I suck at drums, I suck at life one was one that mm -hmm. definitely stood out to me because mm -hmm. it definitely like, you, I think you touched up on like a lot of like areas involving like depression and anxiety, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah. <clears throat> and that kind of like, it kind of hit home and it like, we'll probably touch up on that later in this episode when it comes to that. Yeah. Awesome, cool. man. And yeah. And and I also suck at drums. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, so Seth, uh, you were telling me uh, you live in Amish country, similar to Matt. Oh, yeah. Uh, in uh, in yep. Ohio. And uh, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what that was like growing up there. Are you still, you're growing still up living in Amish there, country? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're still there. Yeah, yeah I, still live in <laughs> I still live in Amish country. I still pass buggies mm. every day. Do you still pass buggies every day, Matt? They pass me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've got pretty much, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff here. We've, the food is the best. Ah, it's, I agree with it, that. It, yeah. it is awesome. We've got, there's actually a cafe called Amish Country Donuts. They've got like massive, big, delicious donuts. They're mm -hmm. probably the size of my hand, mm -hmm. maybe even a little bigger. Mm -hmm. It's like, so picture a big donut, just like, <laughs> I don't know. Shout out to Amish Country Donuts. Yeah, Love right. you guys. Nice. Good donuts. Nice. Good coffee. Nice. But yeah, but yeah, I'm. Off, I think I've told you this earlier that I'm actually part Amish and part Asian, and it's obviously two cultures that are like mixed together. Yeah. And it's it's very unique. And at, at first, it's like I don't know what to think about it because there's. Outside of my family, there's absolutely nobody that I know who's like Asian and Amish. Mm -hmm. And I had a little brother in high school who's like, I think he just kind of went by the, he just kind of embraced the nickname of being the Asian Amish or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just think it's kind of funny. What What is it, yeah. it, if you could pick, you know, one or two th uh, things that have been difficult for you to uh, to deal with in, in being someone who, has some of that old shit or yeah, the Amish culture in your blood. And then also the, you know, Asian culture. Are there, are there family gatherings that are sort of, you know, you have an awkward moment where someone in the Amish culture is like, Oh, that's not really okay to do. And some of the, in the Asian culture is like, well, that's sort of how we do stuff or, or yeah. has everything sort of been baked into the cake at this point? I'd say it's pretty, I'd say it's baked into the cake. I mean, I'm at, I'm at a point where, or actually I, I have like two and a half years ago, actually make that three years ago. I met my mom's uh -huh. side of the family for the first time when I actually went to the Philippines. So it's like, I am, mm. I, outside of that, I've never like seen them in my entire life before. 
maybe other than wow. just video chats or Facebook videos or whatever. Right. And so I'm at, I'm at a point where it's like, I'm very comfortable with like the Amish side of my family, like on my dad's side, it's, yeah, we, all I, all I can say is if you bring Amish, if you bring noodles to our family gatherings, you've got me sold. <laughs> nice. So is your, is your dad still Amish? Uh, no, he, I believe he left in like his twenties or so. Okay. And like, I mean, is, yeah, we, st- does he have any brothers or sisters that are still Amish? Uh, I would say no, but I do, but I have a, I have an aunt and uncle who are, or I have some aunts and some uncles that still abide by like some Mennonite cultures. And, right. And they like, yeah, they, they attend like a Mennonite church here and, and what else? But yeah, I wouldn't really say him or anyone else is really like full on Amish. We still have some, we still have some values that align with what the Amish have. What, what do you admire in the Amish culture, whether it's, it's their faith or their way of life? Is there anything you can point to that's like, I really think that's admirable. I really respect that and think more people would benefit from that thought. The food. That belief. <laughs> the food. There you go. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> Whoopie pies. Oh, the, yeah, the food. I, I would say just how like, like just how like they can be reliable and just like the work that they do. Cause I know a lot of mm-hmm. like one thing that's overlooked in my opinion is the fact that they're up at like three or four in the morning already working. Like mm-hmm. I, like I already get yeah. up at five o'clock every day for work. And when I'm driving to work, they're already out on their bikes or doing like those little lights or on their bikes or whatever. I guess yeah. that's one thing. Yeah, they're could... wearing the vests and oh yeah. Yeah. They're on their scooters, scooter into work. Their work ethic's definitely admirable. I will oh, agree with that. hundred <laughs> percent. That's I'll admit that's part, that's part of what made me the person I am today. Now that I think about it, it's often overlooked. That's cool. Um, so Seth, uh, you're a drummer. Oh, absolutely. Obviously. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you mentioned to me that, uh, a Disney movie was what inspired you to keep playing drums at one point. Yes. Uh, so I'm just, I'm real curious to know what the story is behind that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, if for those wondering, the Disney movie, or it's not like a Disney DVD movie, it's from a Disney Channel movie. It was the Disney Channel okay. movie Lemonade Mouth. Have either of you heard of it? I have heard of it. I've never seen it. It's like I've a knockoff it, yeah. high school musical, but way better, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. I think the, the movie itself was about like five students, like they're all nobodies. They don't really fit in with like high school culture. And when they finally get together mm-hmm. and just play jam out and play instruments they just like they dominate or they determinate that's one of the song names <laughs> <laughs> they determinate <laughs> yeah hey, i'm not gonna lie that song is a bop determinate <laughs> the terminate <laughs> and yeah i think how it goes is that they they become a band they have some obstacles they end up mi- losing out in a local competition and the next thing you know they're famous enough where they're playing in madison square garden I can. Oh wow! It's not based on a true story by any means. <laughs> it's your typical Disney so, Channel movie. But yeah, I found yeah, I've, and what a part of that story. I found out that the drummer, the drum, the actor or the drummer whose name is Blake Michael, I found out that he was like, he was like the exact age of, he wasn't actually like a freshman age. He was like thirteen or fourteen years old, and I was like oh, wow. fourteen years old when the movie came out, and all the other actors were like already in their twenties playing freshman in high school wow. but yeah when i f- i found out that the drummer or the drum 
Yeah, the actor whose name is Blake Michael actually enjoys playing drones. And immediately in my mind, I thought, yeah, this movie is so awesome. Like me going and me going into freshman year thinking, I'm going to learn drums and I'm going to start a band in high school. And the next thing you know, that flopped miserably. <laughs> but yeah, <coughs> but yeah. And then I also found out that that drummer is one of the youngest people ever to like, like acquire a partnership with YouTube. He was only 12 years old. Oh wow! Or something like that. That's insane. That's wild. So yeah, hopefully Blake Michael actually listens to this. I mean, I love you, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, <coughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, that was the movie that kind of like inspired me to keep going with drums, even though I, That's awesome, even man. though I flopped at making a band in high school, I ended up becoming on my sophomore year in in high school. I ended up becoming a drummer at my church, when our other drummer was not available. Hmm. Wow. And ever since that, it's That's cool, man. Yeah, I've enjoyed playing drums ever since. That's awesome, dude. That's really cool. So, um, I guess to kind of finish this out um so you've been part of the inner circle since february now right uh, yes I, I think that's when you joined i, actually, I didn't buy it right away because um, my credit card got hacked twice oh jeez, sucked <laughs> well we don't fault you for it uh <laughs> but um but uh well you know first off i mean thank you for for your support oh, and it's been, absolutely it's been really cool getting to know you this whole time what what would you say um how do I phrase this? What so as as a member of the inner circle, mm -hmm. um, what wh how would you describe it? What is it like? Um, what do you like about it? Um, how has it uh, impacted you since February? I'd say it's the fact that it's a community of like like minded individuals. We like talking about the same things, like faith and drums, which are like the two mm -hmm. main points of this. And yeah, I've been I've been hooked ever since. And another thing I was able to, I like because of the inner circle, I found out that one of the inner circle members is only lives like two, two hours away from me. Hmm. And we, we wow. kind of briefly talked about it, but if you guys are planning on doing another beating drums to battle cancer, like we, we briefly talked about just carpooling together to go to the next, next time you guys host it. Nice. That's awesome. That's cool. That's and, great. Cool. But yeah, that's, that is, that's pretty good news. But the downside to that is we're about a six hour drive from Mannheim PA, which is where, oh. which is from where that, that's at. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's in Mannheim. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Well, if we do the event again, uh, next year, which we plan on doing is as far as we're concerned, we will be doing it, but there are, you know, powers outside of our control, which might determine the course of the next year. COVID-19, for example, <laughs> is just something no one expected and mm -hmm. it's controlled right. the year so far. Um, Unfortunately. Certainly, it'd be great to have you, man. That'd be that'd be awesome. It's people like you that are keeping this thing going. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's mm -hmm. a lot of work to put together a podcast. Mm -hmm. And what I mean isn't necessarily your money um, mm -hmm. that's, that's helping us to continue, but it's really just the fact that you're there saying this is beneficial to me. Mm -hmm. Um, that to me personally, and I know the same is true for Tim goes a, a whole lot, lo a whole lot further than someone just saying, here's a bunch of money. Yeah. Because at the end Absolutely. of the day, it's like, this has never been about the money. We just, we could use money to make it better. But at the end of the day, if we're not doing it for other people's benefit, then there's really no gain in it for either of mm -hmm. us right. because our lives are, um, pretty full as it is. Man, so I really appreciate it. Thank you for speaking up and being a voice that can speak into that and, and just be encouraging. And 
I'm, I'm glad that we have an audience that's diversified and mm-hmm. so diversified that we're talking to someone in another state who is, is pretty um, unique, I would say, in your background. I mean, in a hmm. typical Thanksgiving, you know, gathering, I can only imagine the people sitting around the table and to know that you've been listening to our podcast and you're maybe mm-hmm. continuing the conversation that we've been having with your family mm-hmm. um, right. and then hearing back from them about it. It's, it speaks to me about how, how exponentially the conversations can, can grow in so many different cultures around the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sure my family will listen to this podcast. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, hello, Mr. Hello. and Mrs. Miller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, awesome. But yeah. That's all. Yeah. One thing I'm appreciate about you guys is that the fact that you guys are saying that it's not about the money. Like I really appreciate that, that you're very open and honest about that. Yeah. It's not about we, the money. I can tell you, I'll show you the bank account. I mean, uh, if it was about the money, this thing would have died Man, the day it began. I don't know. A part of me feels um, like you guys need to, like, I don't know, you guys just need to, like, uh, treat yourselves or something. Go buy a meal or. <laughs> I'll take Matt out for ice cream next time I see him. <laughs> yeah, so I'd say maybe just once the whole quarantine's over, go treat yourself to a nice haircut or something. Or maybe not you, Tim. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Tim should though. I'm sorry, Tim. Uh, no, it's okay. It's all right. I'll go get I'll go get my beard cut or something. It's, it's cool. Just go. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying you guys you guys totally should just yeah. do it. You guys totally should do that. Well, you guys deserve it. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I appreciate that yeah. too. The reward is, like I said, just knowing that there's people out there that are um, continuing the conversation that we're starting. That is reward yeah. in and of itself because we're just looking yeah. to um, start a conversation, ask the tough questions, and hopefully find good answers. And I think right. there's a lot of people along for the ride and they're looking for the same exact thing. And so if we can join in with that train of thought with a lot of people, then... It's a win for me, man. I don't I don't need a bunch right. of money from it. Yeah. Nice. With that being said, man, thank you so much for for your support and for coming on and and introducing yourself to everybody and um yeah, dude. We'll uh we'll see you in the community. Oh, awesome, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great and helpful conversation for us and we can only hope the same is true for you. Once again, thanks for following along with Holy Ghost Notes. We have social media, we also have an easy way to contact us um, as much as you want to get plugged in, you can. And mm-hmm. um, if you just want to be a listener and, and want to have nothing to do with us, that's that's awesome. And um, yeah. we appreciate you being out there and following along, whether it is for the drumming, the faith and life stuff, or for both. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. So uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram. Facebook. Uh, we now have a YouTube channel as well, and uh, we're posting full episode videos on there. Um, so if you'd rather watch along instead of just listen, uh, feel free. Um, and you can find uh, the studio walkthroughs from earlier on in this uh, this episode by checking out this episode on YouTube. Um, other than that, again, if you're interested in the Inner Circle or our Patreon, um, it's patreon.com slash holyghostnotes. Bunch of information there. Uh, feel free to check it out. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, want to carry on the conversation, um, reach out. Instagram's probably the best way, um, but we also have an email address, Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com, and uh, always love to hear from you guys. So, 
That's right. Yeah. Thanks, dude. And check out our new devotionals, too. The devotionals, yes. Yeah, peace devotionals on our website, theholyghostnotes.com. Uh, there's been some really good ones. I've been learning a lot from them, too, so good stuff. Me, too. All right. On that note. Cool, thanks, man. Peace. peace. <laughs> <laughs>